Life Audio. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We want families to come here and gain insightful strategies that empower them to successfully teach diverse learners at home. Hosted by founder and CEO of Sped Homeschool, Peggy Ployer. Our goal is that these powerful weekly conversations will boost your confidence to cultivate the best at-home learning environment for your student. For more homeschool resources, go to spedhomeschool.com. You're listening to Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. We'll start the conversation with Peggy and her guests next. The best-selling illustrative Bible for kids and teens, the Action Bible, is now better than ever. The Action Bible Faith in Action Edition is an interactive Bible specifically created for kids and teens ages 7 to 15. The Faith in Action Edition is designed to engage young readers in God's Word through hundreds of vividly illustrated Bible stories in chronological order with activities and games. Readers will grow in God's Word by using QR codes, providing free access to over 2,000 devotionals, hundreds of prayers, character stories, teaching videos, maps, timelines, and much more. Additionally, the Action Bible Faith in Action Edition allows readers to explore the major themes of the Bible like courage, faith, hope, love, service, trust, and wisdom. Each theme provides practical advice on how to live out God's Word. The Action Bible Faith in Action Edition is the best interactive Bible you can purchase for your child or teen. Purchase your copy today at Sam's Club, Barnes & Noble, or Amazon. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool, a nonprofit that empowers families to home educate diverse learners. To learn more, visit spedhomeschool.com. Here's Peggy Ployer. Today we're going to talk about natural sleep strategies for children with special guest Nicole Johnson. Nicole is the founder and lead pediatric sleep consultant of the Baby Sleep Site and is a board member of the International Association of Child Sleep Consultants. With the help of her team of sleep consultants, she has helped over 50,000 families improve their sleep. That's a lot. (laughs) Millions of visitors have landed on the baby sleep site each year for over 15 years. Welcome, Nicole. I'm so excited for you to be here and share some of your expertise. (laughs) Oh, thank you for having me, Peggy. I'm really excited to share some of my information too. Absolutely. So I always like to start out. um, Oh, and for our guests that are joining us live, I see you popping on. Just know you can be part of this conversation. That's why we do this live, because I know a lot of you are really busy. And um, if there's a topic that we're going to be discussing and we have an expert on, we want to give you access to that person, too, and not just me having a conversation with them. So be part of the conversation. Put your comments, your questions in the feed, and we would like to include those in um, what we're talking about 
about this hour. So, um, so be our guest. Um, sit down and and put those that information in or those questions so that um, you can get answers to things that you're struggling with right now as well. Um, maybe with the child who's not sleeping, which is what we're talking about today. Um, but but yes, that we would love. But Nicole, we'd also like to get to know you too, and a little bit why you're so passionate about this specific topic. I'd love to know more. Yes, sure. Well, let's see. So I'm a married mother of two. I'll be married 20 years next May. Oh, congratulations. And thank you. And now my boys are, my babies are now 15 and 18 years old. And my awesome. now 18 year old, he hated sleep as a baby. Uh, <laughs> he, yes. he had FOMO, fear of missing out. And he thought uh. he was missing the party that we weren't having every night. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so of course, now he would still kind of say sleep is kind of a waste of time. He much prefers to do other things, but of course he's a teenager, so we have to drag him out of bed sometimes. But... Uh, yes, they like sleep <laughs> on the other end. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so true. But when he was a baby, you know, I read a lot of books about how to help him sleep better. He was waking up every one to two hours every wow. night to either uh, breastfeed or get rocked back to sleep. And I started getting depressed and mm. um, you know, just lost so much sleep when he was a baby and I was trying to fix it. Uh, and, and I figured he was hungry at night, but not that hungry, you know. Right. So so all of the books that I read just seemed to contradict one another. I didn't feel right. Like some of them said they don't have to eat at all. And that didn't feel right. And mm -hmm. some of them said, let them cry. And I didn't, that didn't feel right. So I really tried to find a solution that I felt good about. Mm -hmm. And then I would say we we improved sleep, but it was still a very rough first year for me. Wow. And then I had my second son two years later, and I said, okay, now I got this. Right? <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> but of all. course, <laughs> he wasn't a perfect sleeper. He was a better sleeper, but not perfect. So then I started learning more about babies, like, children's temperament, personalities, mm. how, how everybody is, you know, obviously everybody's different, but right. I started to learn more about temperament traits and kind of what drives them. And then I started getting very passionate about helping other people with this topic, basically. So my younger yeah. son, he became a better sleeper. And then I started helping other people. And they said, and people started telling me, you should write your own book. The way you explain it is just so much easier to understand. And mm. I guess they just liked how I worked with them. And after, at first, I just laughed this off. But that after a few pe more people said it, I said, hmm, maybe I should create a website or something that I can share my wisdom of what all I've learned over these several years. Right. So my third baby was born, the baby sleep site. And that was 15 <laughs> years ago. Now my younger son was just a couple of months old when I first started it. And, wow. and here we are, uh, millions of visitors later and thousands of families that I've worked with individually. And I love it. There's just no one size fits all. I like right. personalizing the approach for every situation. Some people co-sleep, some people don't, you know, some people breastfeed, some people don't. I like to personalize the experience for everybody. So that's mm -hmm. what I do. 
Yeah, and that's a good point. And that's something that we actually are proponents of as well, is there is not a one size fits all. Everybody's so unique and our family situations are unique. Our children are unique. And so we can give a lot of strategies, but it doesn't mean that same strategy is going to be the best strategy for every person. And Absolutely. I love that you come from that perspective because we do the same thing with education. That's why we homeschool and we don't have to to take one curriculum and use it for every subject. And um, that's the beauty of, of being able to, to just make things fit. Yes. And, and like you said, internally as a parent, you kind of know mm-hmm. uh, what, what should happen and what shouldn't. And I think a lot of times we ignore that because we look at, um, you know, this, this expert says, and then all of a sudden that expert and their quote unquote model of how this perfect thing is going to happen is, is now elevated above the needs of our child. Absolutely. Okay. So I love that. Yes, absolutely. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so yeah, let's, um, let's dive into a couple, like, just kind of overall questions. Um, I know we had one question already come in and some, and it's very similar to another one that we have on our list that was submitted ahead of time. Um, but I just like to kind of look at the global picture of sleep issues. Um, and what percentage of families do you think, or, um, what's the likelihood of sleep struggles happening, um, now, and it, has it increased, um, over the years, or do you think it's been pretty much a constant? Oh, that's a good question. Well, as you know, they recommend we adults get at least eight hours of sleep every night, mm-hmm. and children need nine to 12 hours each and every day, depending on their age. So children need a lot of sleep to grow and thrive. Right. Yeah. Um, now, my data is kind of skewed because the people that come to me all have some right. type of sleep yep. challenge. Mm-hmm. So for me, a lot of people have sleep problems. Right, but, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but the Sleep Foundation, they estimate 25 to 50% of children will have some type of wow. sleep challenge or sleep problem. Now, one thing to keep in mind is how I define sleep problem is like waking up at night or waking mm-hmm. up too early in the morning, not getting enough sleep, something like that. Now, okay. One thing to keep in mind is that we have to also just adjust our expectations because, you know, Mm. while your best friend's child might need 11 hours of sleep, yours might only need 10 hours. So you trying to fix a problem may not be a problem at all, except your expectations. So that's a um, good point. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. average averages are just that some people need more, some people uh, less. And, you know, like twice exceptional children, for example, need more sleep. Gifted children generally need less sleep. So, you know, and like my Hmm. son, my older son who uh, inspired the website, he was diagnosed um, uh, gifted or identified gifted later in life, um, you know, in third grade or so, something Mm -hmm. like that. And then it all kind of puzzle pieces fell into place that he didn't need as much sleep when he was younger. So, you know, it's, it's, one of those things that you have to look at your child as an individual. Are they thriving? Do they seem tired? Do they need more sleep? And kind of adjust your expectations based on that. 
Right. So just because a sibling needs more sleep doesn't mean that the other sibling needs more sleep, which is not always the best thing for mom and dad. But Right. Um, <laughs> right. And it's hard not to compare children. I only have yes. two, but it's so hard not to say, well, your brother did this and you mm. should do that. It's right. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So so that's good to know. It's, it's as unique as the child uh, on the needs of that sleep. After a word from our sponsor, we'll dive back into this conversation. The best-selling illustrative Bible for kids and teens, the Action Bible, is now better than ever. The Action Bible Faith in Action Edition is an interactive Bible specifically created for kids and teens ages 7 to 15. The Faith in Action Edition is designed to engage young readers in God's Word through hundreds of vividly illustrated Bible stories in chronological order with activities and games. Readers will grow in God's Word by using QR codes, providing free access to over 2,000 devotionals, hundreds of prayers, character stories, teaching videos, maps, timelines, and much more. Additionally, the Action Bible Faith in Action Edition allows readers to explore the major themes of the Bible like courage, faith, hope, love, service, trust, and wisdom. Each theme provides practical advice on how to live out God's Word. The Action Bible Faith in Action Edition is the best interactive Bible you can purchase for your child or teen. Purchase your copy today at Sam's Club, Barnes & Noble, or Amazon. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. God invites us to cultivate thankful hearts by turning our eyes toward Him in good times and bad. To listen to more Abide Christian Meditations, just go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Christian Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool. Go to spedhomeschool.com to get resources and support for teaching your unique learner at home. So how can a parent tell if a child is not getting enough sleep? Yeah, that's that's a good question. So mood and behavior are your number one indicators. So if your child is happy and thriving, more than likely they're getting enough sleep. But if you start to see signs such as dark circles under their eyes or or even yawning, I mean, yes, all of us yawn, especially as right. we're getting close to bedtime. But generally speaking, if you're getting enough sleep, you're not yawning throughout the day. Um, right. Another thing that some people don't know is hyper activity can be a sign of overtiredness. So our bodies release hormones to fight fatigue. So let's Mm. say you're getting tired, your body's going to give you that jolt so you can get your second wind. You know, I'm sure you remember like studying in college or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So same thing. So, you know, a lot of times people would watch my sons run around and they say, oh, he's not tired at all. When in fact, no, he's exhausted. Like this is like past the point of his bedtime. Like we need to get him to bed pronto, you know? Yeah. Um, And lack of sleep can also like worsen some conditions like ADHD. So we have to be careful about that. So depending on the child, child's age, you know, tantrums are more you know, common uh, if, you know, just kind of behavior problems in general. 
tantrums are normal, but if you see an excess or increase, then your child might not be getting enough sleep, acting out as they get older, poor performance in school is another another one too. And some even get headaches and st- upset stomachs just like adults do. Oh, okay. So there's, there's a variety of different um, of things. And I suppose when your child does get a good night's sleep, and then, you know, they don't, and you, you can kind of say, well, this day is a, you know, result of what happened last night, or they were over at a friend's house, or, you know, whatever, and they didn't get good sleep, and just kind of watch the behavior. I can see that being Absolutely. a day that you were like, okay, this is an observation day. <laughs> yes. see what happens. Yes. And then does this happen on a regular basis? Because, you know, you don't know how, what quality sleep your child gets at night either, because you're sleeping too, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's so true. And I would say some children are more sensitive to disruptions as well. So, when, oh, yeah. Yeah. When my older son was a baby, I did not understand how people could go out to dinner or go to a family event in the evening. I just did not comprehend it because if he got off track, it would take me close to a week to get him back on track. Wow. Once I had his little brother, I could see. So he, he might get off track for one day and then I'd get him back on track the next day. And I was like, oh, this is how people have a life with a baby. Right, yeah. <laughs> I just did not comprehend that at all. So it, it really depends on how sensitive to overtiredness your child is. Oh, yeah. I never even thought about that. But that's, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it could vary yeah. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of potential things cause sleep issues. Um, so are, is there anything or is it like genetic or, you know, are children just kind of born that way? Or, you know, like you see, you talked about maybe just brain wiring um, having for less length of time, but are there certain things that um, could lead up to somebody not sleeping well? Yeah, I mean, some things they're born with, just like needing less sleep overall, for example, or having more trouble winding down, some things like that. But some things are definitely behavioral, which is what I mostly focus on. I can't, I can't make your child need more sleep. Right. But (laughs) there are definitely behavioral things. Um, Sleep problems can vary as they get older too. For example, in three-year-olds, I can almost set a clock by it. Their nighttime fears start increasing because they start learning that they're mortal, that not everybody in the world is nice. And like those fears start coming in. My son was afraid of dinosaurs, no matter how many times they said they were extinct. It just did not matter, you know. (laughs) So now it's a good thing that they're developing appropriately, but it's challenging for, you know, nighttime fears, nightmares, that their imagination, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Now, some of the behavioral issues, of course, are sleep associations is the huge one. Uh, Basically, I sleep on a mattress, on a pillow with a blanket. If I woke up at two in the morning and my pillow is gone, I might wake up more fully. I might even nudge my husband. Hey, you know, where's my pillow? What happened? Uh Uh, So for children, sometimes they can develop those associations too, such as, you know, rocking in a rocking chair. My son wanted to be rocked every one to two hours all night. So that just became his, this is how I sleep 
Right. And so a lot of times we just have to change how they're sleeping. So you might mm. have a four-year-old who needs the parent in their room, for example, to fall asleep. And then they, when they wake up periodically throughout the night, which, which is something we all do, I might mm -hmm. look at the clock and see how much more time do I have. Uh, but right. uh, for a four-year-old, they might see that mom's gone or dad's gone. And, you know, then they wake up and then they want to mm -hmm. see you there again. So it's all of those habits that we're forming to as parents that we have to be careful about. Um, separation anxiety is another, another one that just has peaks and valleys throughout childhood. Um, it starts at seven months old wow. and then we see it kind of peak at certain ages, like 12 months, 18 months, two years. Um, and then I even remember my, my son, my younger son, when he was in kindergarten, he's like, I wish you could be with there with me. You know, if they just oh. have those peaks and valleys that they want to be near us, you know, right. uh, so that can also be a, a big issue. Uh, finally, hmm. sleep schedules are a huge one too. I always say all of these are puzzle pieces that have to fit together. Right. And sleeps, if this, if you have the wrong sleep schedule or expectations about what your sleep schedule will be, that can make a huge difference in, in how well or not well your, your child sleeps at night. Yeah. So are there some kids that just need to go to bed earlier and some that need to go to bed later and sleep in later? Is that just in like an internal part of their clock? Yes. Um, actually, they have found that um, we call them owls and larks. Um, hmm. Early birds, it, it is a thing, you know, that you're <laughs> born kind of an early bird. Uh, now there is within range. So usually mm -hmm. we could at least get the schedule somewhere around the sun. So light stimulating our eyes is what signals our brain to wake or sleep. So okay. in general, I see later bedtimes in the summer, earlier yeah. in the fall and winter, just from that fact. Um, and also the same thing with early risers. Uh, if you have a very sensitive to the light kind of child, like I yeah. am, actually, uh, I have room darkening curtains for that reason. Once the sun starts rising, that's just how our bodies work. We're supposed to rise with the sun. Right. So now some of us can sleep through that and some of hmm. us can't. So there are some things like that, that, um, that we do have to watch. And right. yes, sometimes I have to move bedtime later for some and earlier for others. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating because yeah, it's, and then those days that it's like storming out, you know, you could oversleep if you think the sun's going to wake you up. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, so, you know, as, as far as like, you know, lack of sleep as, um, as an adult, I know how it affects me. You know, I, I know if I haven't got a good night's sleep and, but, um, as far as kids, what, what things kind of wind down in them that aren't as effective when they are, um, when they're sleep deprived? So, yeah, as far as like their cognitive abilities, their physical abilities, um, where are they not at their peak if they're not getting any sleep that they need? Yeah, I mean, um, in general, it's just harder to learn when you're tired, of course. It's harder to retain information, even if you can learn. Mm -hmm. uh, we see a lot more, you know, poor performance in school, just if they're, you know, even if they're not falling asleep in class, they might just be dazed and not oh, yeah. paying attention, basically. Um, and, you know, just like drunk driving is, you know, dangerous, sleepy driving is dangerous. And right. if you take your child to the playground, they might be more prone to falling and kind of being oh, clumsy. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, because we're all just not at our best when we're 
sleep deprived. And it kind of depends to the level of sleep right. deprivation. And some of us can handle it more than others too. Hmm. Um, I know my husband, for example, needs more sleep than I do in general, but he doesn't get as irritable as I do. So, so, <laughs> so I remember when I had a baby, I was like, you sleep at night because you can handle my irritability better than, you know, and you need more sleep. So we kind of had this, uh, right. this kind of situation or uh, arrangement, if you will. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, of course, there's also the ha happiness factor. You know, hmm. uh, a lot of children are going to be more irritable and not, you know, it's very hard to learn when you are just kind of grumpy, you know, all the time. Um, so that that's a big factor as well. And they might be short tempered right. and have more yeah. tantrums, too. And if you're trying to teach them how to add two plus two, you know, they're going to get more frustrated and, and mm -hmm. less patient, of course. Right. Yeah. Just everything. Everything's kind of on edge. I guess that is kind of the same thing as adults. Um, but yeah, kids just always express it a little bit differently, but it's, yeah. it's really a product of the same thing. And yes, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. We, we all thrive. I, I always said I'm a much happier and more fun parent when I'm getting a good night's sleep for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I yes. tried not to look at it as like a, a selfish thing because I could parent you better if I'm getting a good night's sleep. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Would you ever have one of those conversations with your child? I need to go to sleep now. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's nice now that, you know, you have older kids and I, all my kids are adults and it's like, I'm going to bed. You yeah. know, I don't care when you go to bed, but right. I'm going to bed. Right. Right. <laughs> and I it's learned to so invest different. in earplugs too, because yes. when you have a child that lives above you, you know, in the room upstairs and they're a night owl, you don't get yeah. any sleep. <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely true. Yes. Okay. And as teenagers, they definitely have a later internal clock, which uh, will gradually get earlier. Uh, so like my boys in high school, it's very hard to get them oh. to school by 730 in the morning. Mm -hmm. It just goes against what their internal clock wants to do. So yeah, I remember years ago, I was on a panel for a homeschool conference, and one of the parents in the audience asked the question, when do you start school in the day? And I didn't want to answer the question because we started at noon. I had all yeah. teenagers. And um, and fortunately, there's a lady down the, the way that was willing to be a little more truthful than I was. And she said, we start at noon. And I was like, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> that's wonderful. I mean, that's definitely one of the um, many benefits to homeschooling, I'm, I'm sure. And yeah. in retrospect, I really wish I had explored that more when my sons were younger because uh, going to school and sitting for very long periods of time was borderline torture for my young active boys, right. you know. Uh, so I, I wish I, I kind of explored that more or knew about your site uh, back then. That, yeah. that would have been really great. Yeah, it is. It is a benefit. And I think a lot of parents don't, you know, they're, they're in, they have this idea of what a school schedule is supposed to look like, too. Right. And so they just replicate that in their home and forget that that freedom is there. And for teenagers, especially Absolutely. that in, to be able to work with that clock. Oh, yes. my goodness. That, yes. I mean, you get so much better productivity, conversations, learning, everything Absolutely. when you work with them instead yes. of against them. Yes. And, uh, you know, even though we probably don't want to talk about it, but during COVID, when we were at <laughs> home doing school, right. yep. oh, the school day looked, the school day looked way different, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So my younger son was a little bit more 
starting more like nine, I would say, but we'd be done by noon or something like that. Right. My older son, he's night owl and would do his work late at night. And that's just how he liked it. <laughs> he functioned a lot better that way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That was when I finally caught up on my sleep. I, I have to say, cause my husband worked from home and he wasn't getting up at 5am in the morning. He was getting up at six and I was like, oh. an extra hour. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yes. I kind of yearn for those days again. <laughs> I bet. I know there were some benefits there. I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh. So we're going to talk about some some natural sleep strategies. What what top things do you um, you kind of look towards maybe to have parents start you know thinking about as far as a strategy to um, to combat maybe I don't know um, like what is the number one thing and what what strategy do you often share the most. Yeah, I would say the number one thing and the first thing I look at for any child is their schedule and how much sleep they need. So even if you just calculate it over five to seven days to see hmm. how much they're actually sleeping, and then you want to try to set your schedule, set the schedule based on that. So okay. for example, let's take, um, I'll say a lot of people will talk to me about, let's say they're five-year-old or six-year-old, and they're trying to put them to bed at 7 p.m., let's say, because that's what they say to do, you know. Right, exactly. Um, but if your child needs 10 hours of sleep, for example, and mm -hmm. they're taking, let's say, an hour nap every day or something like that, or um, uh, then they're going to wake up at 5 a.m. So mm -hmm. that's more of a expectation issue more than a sleep problem per se. Um, right. Or similarly, let's say uh, they're more of a night owl. You're trying to put them to bed at 7, but they're not falling asleep till 8.30, and then they wake mm -hmm. up at 6.30 happy. That's, again, not really a problem per se. You might just be putting them to bed too early. So the number one thing I look at first is kind of I talk when I talk one-on-one -on -one with you, I ask questions that will help guide me as far as are they really tired at seven or do they need a snack because you had dinner at five? Are, are they cranky because of that instead right. of they're tired? You know, so that the schedule is one of the number one, the biggest puzzle piece. I always say okay. puzzle pieces you have to put together. So um, setting your expectations about that. The other thing is there's other kind of sleep problems. Like for example, let's say your child goes to bed fine and falls asleep, but then they're awake from one to three in the morning. They have kind of right. some insomnia. Um, that still could be that you're putting them to bed too early, ironically. Really? So undertiredness huh. at bedtime is one of the number one causes of insomnia. So let's hmm. say you have a eight to 10 year old who's going to bed just fine at seven or eight PM, but then waking up for the middle of the night and then they sleep till 8 AM. Let's say that means we're, we call that a split night. Now, okay. usually what we have to do is like squeeze that sleep together by moving bedtime a bit later and moving the wake up time a bit earlier because mm -hmm. under tiredness means that they fall asleep. Okay. But they can't stay asleep all night. So, so, okay. you know, those are just a few examples, but schedule would be, you know, one of the number one things. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing is we're very busy, you know, culture. So having mm -hmm. a regular bedtime is better. Um, so let's say, um, 
let's say every Sunday um, you have dinner as a family and bedtime is later those nights. Sometimes, I mean, if you have flexibility, like you're homeschooling, then it would be better to have every day have kind of that later schedule rather than okay. push bedtime too late on that one night. Right. Um, everybody can handle a little bit fluctuation. It doesn't have to be exact. It right. doesn't have to be rigid. Mm-hmm. But having a regular 30-minute period of time where everybody's winding down and going to bed usually works better for all of our internal clocks. Um, yeah, so that's yeah. something else. Yeah. Um, but there's yeah. lots of other ways that we can help children sleep better too. Uh, mm-hmm. Having, you know, sleep routines where you're kind of setting the stage. Um, do consider that some children take longer to wind down. So my son, for example, oh, okay. every time I tried to hurry, it's like, let's have a 30 minute bedtime routine because that's what all the books say. Right. <laughs> it just always backfired on me because hmm. rushing him is just not something that worked for him. So at some point in his childhood, I was like, you know, he needs 45 minutes to an hour to wind down. And the more I hurry him along, the more right. longer it takes. So mm-hmm. let's just have that consistent routine that would take mm. 45 minutes to an hour. So, so those are some of the things to consider as well. Yeah. So you did answer one of the questions. Cassandra had, had asked, how can I help? She wanted help for her 11-year-old who falls asleep fairly easy but doesn't stay asleep. And you kind of addressed that when you said to to kind of move the it in from each side. Yes, that is a possibility. Um, of course, I'd probably want to ask a few more questions like how often is she waking up? Is she awake for a long period of time or right. short periods of time? Is she having nightmares? There are a lot of factors. And there is such a thing as a too late bedtime too if you know, if she's not getting enough sleep, if oh, she's really? like an early bird and you're putting her to bed at 10, you know, that mm-hmm. might be a problem. But, but all in all, right. um, it's a possibility that she's going to bed too early. So. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of factors though. That's why I usually work one-on-one with people so I could ask a lot of questions. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I understand it's, it's a, we're probably not going to get a perfect answer. Um, yeah. And that's why we'll share your information, um, your website, all of that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, and, and so then you'll be able to connect with Nicole if you really feel like I need some one-on-one help with this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, another thing for 11 year olds to consider is room temperature would be another big one um, because our body temperature is supposed to be lower when we sleep and Mm -hmm. if it's too warm in the room or the pajamas are too warm or the blankets too warm her daughter could be waking up for that reason we we'd like the room temperature to be 68 to 70 degrees or cooler in my family of four two of us are very sensitive to temperature and like in Hmm. the in the winter we have to keep the thermostat much lower uh the other two sleep through it better <laughs> so oh, wow. so that's another big factor for an 11 year old i would consider hmm. is, just, is that like on, with the onset of puberty is that when that really kind of kicks in with temperature thing or is it even before that no it's just throughout babyhood childhood adulthood okay. yeah all of us sleep usually sleep better getting fresh air before sleep helps as well oh, okay awesome Great. Um, so what other, I know we had one parent who asked about supplements. Is that anything that you recommend? Um, and I'm melatonin with a four-year-old. That seems kind of a little bit out there for me, but I don't know. What is your, your thoughts on that one? Uh, in general, I'm not a big supplement 
kind of um, proponent. I would say most ch- children or families that come to me, we solve the source problem. So mm-hmm. if someone told me they're thinking about giving their four-year-old melatonin, melatonin helps you fall asleep but not stay asleep. So that yeah. tells me they're probably having trouble getting them to bed at night. Mm-hmm. At four years old, some children are still napping. So my first question would be, how long is that nap and what time does it end? So occasionally right. someone will come to me saying their four-year-old is napping from two to four and they're putting them to bed at four at 8 p.m. That's mm-hmm. only four hours of awake time. At four years old, we're looking at six to seven hours of awake time sometimes. So it really mm-hmm. depends on what problem they're trying to solve. Um, right. But I would try everything before I would even consider a supplement for one thing. And then if there's more sleep problems, then you might have to see a doctor, sleep study, if there's, you know, right. um, apnea going on, something like that. But mm-hmm. I would I would really need to know why they're thinking about melatonin. Usually you don't need a supplement for a four-year-old. Um, you probably have to think about cutting the nap or changing the bedtime, just depending on kind of what the situation um, is. So that would be the first thing I would do. I'd probably like end napping, end all napping by 2 p.m. if there's a nap or consider if bedtime's too early, if um, if they're not napping, but going to bed at six and then they won't stay asleep, something like that. We right. really want to address this, uh, address the schedule mm-hmm. and see what is happening there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then we had another question about naps. So I might as well throw that one in here now too. Um, This viewer asked, please share strategies for dropping to zero naps. My two and a half year old is fighting nap time and struggling to fall asleep at night. I think we are going into the phase of no naps, but she's not fully ready for this step. She sleeps well during the night. Yeah, so that's that's definitely a, a tough one because, you know, as, when they're babies, I can like set clocks by most nap transitions, but the transition away from napping completely is the most variable. Right. I could see a two or two and a half year old dropping a nap or I could see a, you know, five year old still napping. It's like it, there's so there's such a wide variation. Hmm. And, you know, she's right that it doesn't mean that they're ready every day. So fighting Uh, the nap, I would consider whether we have to move the nap a bit later. So let's say she's waking up at seven and you're trying the nap at 12. A lot of two-year-olds or two and a half-year-olds don't nap until one. So let's say- let's say you give her a nap from one to 3 PM and usually at two and a half, we're looking at five to six hours of awake time after that. So Hmm. now you're talking about if you're trying to put her to bed So let's say she fights her nap till one, sleeps till three, and you're trying to put her to bed at seven. Your schedule is just a bit off. You probably put her to bed at eight or eight thirty and keep the nap for a bit longer. Hmm. Uh, Now, if the two two and a half year old is fighting sleep until three, and then napping, and then going to bed at ten, now Mm -hmm. we're talking like okay, maybe we need to either trim the nap or cut the nap. Uh, What I would say is most children this age, if they are actually dropping their nap, usually they're skipping it at least four times 
a week. So if she's not skipping oh, it at okay. least four times a week, I would not drop it. Uh, sometimes we have to trim the nap. If they're napping two hours, we might trim it to 90 minutes and then maybe an hour and then go down to 45 minutes. We'll do it gradually to see oh, okay. what the right combination is. Right. Uh, because skipping a nap one day is one thing. Skipping a nap every day is quite another. And right. um, it's really difficult for them to do every single day. Um, if yeah, you're it goes actually, back to that schedule you were talking about. Yeah, yeah a so lot of it boils I down to schedule. It, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, but if you are confident that she's dropping her nap, then sometimes we'll do uh, every other nap, every other day, take a nap, every other day, skip a nap, something like that. Or we'll skip a nap for two days in a row and then offer a nap the third or fourth day. So that mm-hmm. way you're kind of taking the edge off. You're kind of making her a bit more tired, but she's not ready to do it every day. Right. My, my younger son took a good year to drop it a hundred percent completely. He would take naps some days, some days we'd give him some cat naps. So mm-hmm. it, it can be a long process, um, just depending That's on good the to situation, know. but there's a lot yeah. of different little strategies to use just depending on how ready they are to actually drop the nap. My guess is that you probably just have to adjust the schedule. Don't let her sleep until 8am, for example, you know, something mm-hmm. like that, that would, um, that would help a lot. Yeah. So what about older kids taking naps? Um, is that common? Um, Not as common. I mean, I would say, um, especially when you first start school, you, uh, you maybe you right. get to this when you first start homeschooling even, um, they might get more tired because they're learning a lot of new things. Okay. Um, so we, we sometimes see a temporary, like start napping again, but then eventually the nap generally goes away completely. Now, just like adults, though, like I can nap on the weekend. My mother-in-law says I can't take a nap. I'll never go to Mm. sleep. So it also is very person dependent. Um, Mm. But generally speaking, once they drop the nap, we don't really see it come back. Okay. Unless they're sick. Right. Yeah. Because we did, we had one parent come in too that wanted to know, um, they just posted this on Facebook. How do we get a two-year-old to take an afternoon nap or quiet time? And so it sounds like the two-year-old has dropped the nap (laughs) and the parent is like, I'm not ready to drop the nap. (laughs) Yeah. Well, some, so at, at, depends how long that's happened. We do see a two-year sleep regression where it looks like they're dropping the nap, but then it comes back full force. So I would oh, be careful okay. about that if it hasn't been at least three or four weeks. But hmm. um, but there are some two-year-olds that absolutely do drop their nap. They just don't need as much sleep. And sometimes they'll sleep, you know, seven to seven, like 12 hours. It's wow. great. That, that part's great. Yeah, yeah uh, right. <laughs> everybody needs a break during the day. So we do transition to quiet time. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a couple of things I recommend with that. Usually we, we at least try to have an hour where they just are independent playing. You can keep the lights on. What I like to recommend is having like um, some rest time only toys or activities mm. that they could do. So what I did was I bought quite a few things and we had like this basket and before quiet time every day, he would pick one or two things he could do. And then after oh, quiet okay. time, he would have to put it back. So that way mm. the novelty didn't wear off too much, you know, right. because if you play with those toys all the time. They, they just didn't have the same purpose or the same mm-hmm. impact. So you can transition to quiet time like that. 
Some social children don't like to do quiet time by themselves. You could think about audiobooks that will kind of read them stories or they can flip through board books, different things like that. But you kind of want to just have some quiet activities that they can do for an hour to give you time to recharge or do something on your own. Um, so that that's what I what we typically recommend for two or three or four year olds who are dropping the nap. Yeah. And she said it's been almost a month, but at evening he melts down. (laughs) Sounds like maybe the bedtime needs to be moved up or something. (laughs) I don't know. Yes. So yeah, I would definitely consider like, it depends how to like, if, if, is the child close to three or just now two. So if it's been a month, it does take some adjustment to not napping at all. Um, And it kind of depends on what time they're trying the nap again. Um, But I would definitely consider if there's meltdowns in the evening to move bedtime earlier, even 6.30, let's say. So let's say dinner at 5 or 5.30, bedtime at 6.30, and then sleep to close to three years old. Okay, yeah. Um, So I would consider moving bedtime earlier, try to target 12 hours 6.30 to 6.30 or 7 to 7, something Hmm. like that. Um, And then that's the time to actually be asleep. So we usually like the bedtime routine to end 10 or 15 minutes before that. Um, So if you know, so especially if you know the the meltdown is coming, then it's good to like work around it, but have him in bed before that meltdown, you know, it, it can be tough. There is a transition period, but he will get used to it. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about winding down and we had one viewer who said that, you know, yoga works for her. Um, That's an an adult. But what about winding down for kids? What are some things that parents can build into that strategy? I know, and I know all kids are different, but some ideas that they can have to try to to get that wind down period um, a little, instead of just, okay, go to bed or, you know, read a quick book and we're done. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, quiet time is a good one. I do like to discourage a bath, ironically. Really? Well, only because... Body temperature again, is that? Yes, exactly. Ah. So one thing is body temperature. It depends, like, you know your child best, but with my boys, they take a bath and they get excited and all yeah. hyper. <laughs> it was not relaxing. You know, right. it's not like when I take a bath and I drink right. a glass of wine or something. It's just, it just doesn't happen. Uh, so that's the first thing is um, consider when you're giving the bath. So even huh. if you do a bath every day, um, try to do it early enough that their body temperature can come down. Because if right. if you do a warm bath and your body temperature goes up, it's going to be harder to wind down, ironically. Wow. Um, so a, a good routine doesn't have to be complicated, but we usually do. One thing I do recommend for older children is spending time in the bedroom. So it's not like a place where they just get banished for the night. It's right. like a welcoming place. So you might do quiet time in the room, uh, let them play with some toys, clean up, that kind of thing. Uh, put on pajamas, lotion, a little massage if you want. Um, And then we always like to read books. Uh, We started reading at four months old. Um, I do think that's why my older son was a very early reader. I think it's a great thing for them. Um, So we did books. And then what I liked to do is just 
cuddle time. That's when I would hear all about what was happening in their lives or what was weighing on their minds. So we did that uh, for at least 10 minutes. Um, and then we, we do recommend white noise. Um, you could do music for going to sleep, but we don't mm-hmm. generally don't recommend music all night uh, because the changes of sound kind of is more right. stimulating. So white noise is very monotonous. So, mm-hmm. so we do recommend that obviously dimming the, dimming the um, lights, mm-hmm. uh, some children are very sensitive to light, so be careful about how bright your nightlight is. Yes. And then, you know, say your prayers. And um, and then I like to have a distinct end to your routine so they know exactly when mommy's going to brush her teeth or whatever. Right. Um, so I would say, night-night, I love you. Uh, I'll see you in the morning. I'm going to go brush my teeth. I'll check on you in a little while. Mm-hmm. And then you do that and um, and help them feel nice and cozy. But it doesn't have to be complicated. But I would say most bedtime routines are, you know, around 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned earlier, my older son, he needed a longer wind down. Um, some right. have shorter. So it kind of depends on your child. Yeah. So what about transitioning a child who's older to owning part of that wind down time themselves? What um, what can parents do that? I know we I used audiobooks or, or things like that um, because I wasn't going to read, you know, longer. And if the child needed extra time to fall asleep, that was something that um, that I did. But is there anything else that? Um, we can do to start moving kids because I know we've been talking a lot about you know that those transition years um, instead of the baby where you're always there with them Um, and um, but even from like toddlerhood on Mm -hmm. just some things that they can do if you know I'm going to brush my teeth now here's how you can keep winding down yeah, I mean, I think any quiet activity is okay. I know a lot of children flip through board books or books on their own, even if they can't read yet. Mm-hmm. That's a very common activity. My younger son, he loved, he was very tactile. So he always played with his little uh, taggies blanket with his fingers. Oh, yeah. uh, as he got older, he played with his action figures. So what mm-hmm. I would do is I'd do the, the whole routine if he wasn't quite, this was especially when he was dropping the nap. Uh, going back to that conversation. Uh, yeah. uh, but I would say if you're not sleepy, you can, so I would just dim the light. We had a dimmer. And I said, if you're not sleepy, you can play with your toys. He would play with them for 20 minutes, push them aside, lay down and go to sleep. I'd turn off the light after he fell asleep. Mm-hmm. So you do want to encourage that independent play just throughout the day and at night. I right. always say, try not to expect them to do something greatly different, you know, at night than they're doing during the day. If you don't encourage them to play independently during the day, it's very hard to expect them to do it at night. So if you're cooking dinner or something like that, okay, play with your toys. Just always try to kind of promote that independence, even though, of course, we're going to give them one-on-one attention sometimes. But if you're giving them constant attention during the day, they're going to expect it at night. We have to just kind of set their expectations that way. Absolutely. Um, And and any quiet activity, just not devices, you know, obviously. Um, Right. But mm-hmm. other than that, it, I think audiobooks have been fantastic. Um, we've been using that more and more. 
Yeah. Yeah. It seems as they, they get older and, you know, and, and then you don't have to use your eyes. You don't have to look at a screen because I know how that affects sleep as well. Yeah. And, um, and it allows you to kind of listen. Of course, <laughs> you'll fall asleep in the middle of the audiobook and go, where did I leave off? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and my sons love for me to read and then make up stories. <laughs> I remember mm-hmm. having to make up all these stories off the top of my head. <laughs> they just love that. But, uh, but oh, yeah, I'm dating great. myself now. Now the audiobooks are so much better. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so I would love for you to share one other um, of your favorite tips that we haven't talked about yet. Well, let's see. Um, I haven't talked that much about changing sleep associations, which is a big part of it. So, you know, um, a lot of times I like to focus on encouraging children to be self-confident. Um, so when you're thinking about changing self, uh, sleep associations, so let's say your child needs you in the room when they're falling asleep, um, it is a good idea for you to change that so that they don't necessarily need that at two in the morning, for example. Right. So I would say that's a big way to help your child uh, get through the night uh, independently. So I always like to say, you know, think small changes. I like to change just one or two variables at a time. So let's yeah. say right now you're laying in the bed, cuddled up against your child while they fall asleep. Well, cuddling is good. I'm a big proponent of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you do that as part of your routine. And then I always say have a distinct end. You know, I'm going to sing you know, row, row, row your boat, and then I'm going to get out of the bed. So you mm-hmm. might just change one variable, which is not cuddling them to sleep, but sitting next to the bed, for example. Okay. Uh, start there. And then over time, you can add more and more distance as you fall, as they fall asleep. And eventually you want to make it to the doorway and then eventually outside the doorway. So right. changing those, like how they're falling asleep is a big way to help them get through the night, sleep independently, and just have that confidence that they can do it on their own. I do like to have like positive, you know, positive reinforcement. You know, you earned a sticker because, you know, mm-hmm. you stayed in your bed while we were cuddling or whatever, or, or uh, as I was in the doorway, good job, you know, something right. like that. Um, one big thing that I see people do when they have older children is they say, okay, you'll get a sticker if you stay in your, if you sleep through the night and stay in bed all night, that is a big ask if they're currently waking up multiple times a night. So start smaller, you know, they stayed in bed while you went to brush your teeth, you get a sticker, you know, start smaller Mm. and then work your way up to those bigger, you know, the, the big thing of what you really want, which is right. Exactly. Night, you know, yes, but, those baby steps to the, yeah. <laughs> to the final goal. <laughs> yes, exactly. Some, some children, you know, the stickers enough and others, it's just not. So, right. Um, yeah. But there is a book that I recommend sometimes called positive discipline, where it kind of talks to you about different ways that you can encourage your child in a positive way. Right. Yeah, that's, that's important because they, I mean, eventually they want what you want too. They want to be able to sleep through the night, but to get to that almost seems so monumental. And if you can get them those little and break it down enough for them into those steps, it just seems so much more achievable. And, um, 
and they they won't feel so overwhelmed that you're asking me this big thing and I, I don't think I can do that. Uh, yes, and they have to feel the taste of success too. Yes. They have to feel mm-hmm. accomplished, like, oh, I did it. Oh, right. look how proud she is of me, you know. Right. That always helps too mm-hmm. and, and just getting them to and you're right. They, they would, they feel better too when they sleep all night. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It all seems to get better when everybody yes. sleeps. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> We're Amazing much how that works. <laughs> yes. We, we had one parent ask about sensory issues and I think that that's a good summary is a lot of times and my kids had sensory issues, but I knew when they didn't sleep well, the sensory issues got worse. Yes. And and so I think the two are really tied together, but as far as sensory issues with with sleep, um a lot of times like you do talked about light sensitivity and maybe noise sense the noise variation. Yes. Um but you do recommend like white noise, um at, like a fan or um an app or machine or something like that. Yes. Uh, yes. White noise generally helps. I mean, obviously, if you have a child that hates it, then that's a whole other matter. But most of yes. us sleep better with some kind of monotonous sound. Sometimes you need to experiment with the different sounds that they're right. um, that they have. Uh, for example, I. I actually, once I became a mom, I realized I sleep better with white noise. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I still do to this day, but I cannot sleep with birds chirping. And hmm. I mean, that just, it just. It, yeah, I've it, heard some yeah. of those in apps, like the white noise apps. And I'm like, who would like trains? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know who uses that one. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So yes, it's very important to um, to kind of address those factors when you have children with sensory issues. But talking to a professional in those cases is probably right. the best thing you can do um, if you have uh, questions or if you have a child who's um, has a really hard time with that. Uh, my son was never diagnosed with sensory processing disorder, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was going on um, with, you know, when he was a baby and he didn't like loud noises and, and that kind of thing. So, Mm -hmm. but, you know, eventually he kind of got through that and now he's a great sleeper (laughs) when Mm -hmm. he wants to go to sleep, but he's still the night owl. (laughs) Right. Yeah. What about smells? You know, it has, does that affect, I'm, I'm assuming that affects our sleep. Um, Because like sometimes like when my kids were younger, I would bake at night and I don't know if that would cause anything or. (laughs) Oh, not that I know of, but I'm sure there would probably be some smells if they are kind of pungent for them that, you know, Mm -hmm. all of us would be, you know, have difficulty. But, um, Mm -hmm. but overall, I don't hear about that too often, uh, but. You know, yep. I always say every, just when I haven't heard something, I hear something new. So. Right. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I would think baking would be like comforting, but maybe right. Yeah. Hungry. I don't know. It'd make you want to sleep or actually get up in the morning. That's, that's, I think more so with my family, it's like holidays come around. They're like, it's time to get up. Mom's cooking. <laughs> yes, yes. And I always make uh, cinnamon rolls on Christmas morning. And stuff. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that means I have to get up early, though. That's that's the I only know. problem. <laughs> yes, exactly. I I try to prep them the night before and do like <laughs> right put them in the fridge and all that. So <laughs> then that's I wise. just have to put it in the oven. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, your site is um, babysleepsite.com. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what families can find there? 
Yes, well, we have over 500 articles about baby and toddler sleep and some preschoolers. Um, and you can you can just find different information about kind of how to help your child sleep better. Um, we don't have a one size fits all. Like I said, we really personalize the experience quite a bit. So uh, you could also find us on most social media with forward slash baby sleep site, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, that kind of thing. Uh, we'd like to share sleep tips and just awesome. different funny things to try to keep it light sometimes. Right. Um, but we also have uh, eBooks for people that need extra help. We do have a lot of free information on all of our 500 articles, but um, a lot of times some people do need one-on-one, -on -one, like how do I apply this to our child? So we also offer one-on-one -on -one services where I'll okay. talk to you on the phone or via email, we have um, an online questionnaire that's very substantial to get information. I also have a free 15-minute assessment. You know, I just talked to a mom this morning earlier, and I gave her some tips. She's going to give it a try and see what happens. Uh, so I don't always try to sell you anything if you don't right. need, like, a package. It's more about just finding that right fit. Uh, if you do need one-on-one -on -one help, I'm here to help basically. Awesome. Well, that's great. I really appreciate it. And um, it's definitely something that, you know, when, when it is an issue, it's a major issue. And um, we need experts like you out there to, um, to help walk parents through. And especially, you know, when you're dealing with babies, I mean, new parents, just in general, you aren't sleeping and we don't think very straight in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> and then when our, our child has us not sleeping even more for a longer period of time, you know, you, you run into the families like that. And I'll be referring people to you a lot, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I know. And sometimes I always say it's not that you don't know what you need to do. It's just a matter of putting it into a plan. So we do personalized sleep plans, like step one, do this. Step two, do that. Step three, do this. So just to awesome. make it easy when you're sleep deprived, it's, it's pretty hard to, to yeah. figure it out. Like, am I doing the right thing? And then sometimes it's just about confidence. Like, okay, I'm going to do this yeah. for three days and then I'm going to stick to it. You know, and right. then if you have confidence in what you're doing, you'll stick to it for three days. If you don't, you'll be like, Oh, I better try something else. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And we, yeah. we give up before we even tried long enough to, to make it effective or to even see if it was going to work. Because That's right. Like I, I, yeah, I love when you talked about that. It's, it's a, going to be a process of of getting that figured out and it's not going to happen overnight and yeah those sleep the nap whole nap thing I think we as parents we just want you know well something changed so I guess that's changed permanently you know yeah, <laughs> it's yeah not. sometimes it's not yeah absolutely <laughs> or not every day yeah right children keep us on our toes right <laughs> right so we and always I have to, yeah I always yeah. try to tell people they're not robots and they're going right. to need us some of the time too so that's the tricky mm -hmm. part thing some People think I'm going to fix this problem and it'll be happily ever after and they grow and change and, and they need, <laughs> exactly. need us to adapt to. <laughs> yes, yes. So even though we have to have a schedule, we have to have a schedule that allows for some variables. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Clear as mud. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Nicole. And I just encourage um, our listeners, viewers, um, if you're on the podcast, I'm going to share some, some extra website links, um, resources that Nicole shared with me in the show notes on here on YouTube, but also um, on the podcast. And so if you're looking for um, 
more information or maybe some of the things that she referred to or um, those types of things, you'll be able to just click on those links and including her website, um, babysleepsite.com. So, um, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. This has been such a fun conversation. Um, oh, well, thank you for having me. I really yeah. appreciate it. I love talking about sleep. <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> well, I appreciate it because, yes, it's good to have somebody who's passionate about a topic to to share. And so we definitely appreciate that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, we've been focusing this month on behavior. And you can see now after our conversation why we focused on sleep, because it does affect your child's behavior, as we, we talked about. Oh, yeah. um, and we're going to wrap up this month. My last conversation is going to be simple solutions for challenging child behavior. And that is going to actually be this Friday. Um because my guest wasn't able to make it on Tuesday. So we're going to do two this week. Um, so if you want to join me back for that conversation, submit some questions, some challenging behavior you have trouble dealing with, um, then um, she um, is over the website called Behavior Bub, and as well as she's a University of Pennsylvania professor. So, um, so anyways, you want to join us for that conversation. But thank you again, Nicole. I appreciate your time and all that you're doing to help families. Um, it's just amazing. And keep up the good work. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you so much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, thank you all for joining us. Appreciate your, your questions, your, your comments, and um, got some thumbs up in there. So, um, and we will see you again here next time for another episode of Empowering Conversations. Um, but until then, God bless and take care, everybody. take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. This has been Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.